These readings are wonderful to me. I, <clears throat> I have a lot of excitement uh, coming to these three readings. And particularly, particularly, I'm, I'm drawn to the fact that the letter of Peter, which uh, Patrick read, is, is describing what can only be called a new attitude, a new attitude, the, the heart attitude of someone who has come truly to walk with Jesus Christ. The attitude that is described in 1 Peter is not the way most people live. It, you know, it's really not. I don't know how many of you go home from uh, Sundays and take your bulletin with you. I hope that most of you do. And I don't know how many of you might, either later on the Sunday or at some time during the week, actually turn up the scriptures that you've heard read and pray over them and ponder them. But if you read from the third chapter of Peter's letter, you'll realize that he's describing as, as the way we ought to live if we're Christian people in a way that almost nobody finds it easy to live. Um, not even those of us who are here today find it easy to be humble, to be forgiving, to be gentle, to be charitable, to, be, to, to keep turning away from the things that are wrong uh, toward the things that are right. Um, it's a new attitude. Peter says, if you are Christ's, a new attitude is growing in you that is different from the attitude that guided your life before you knew the Lord. And David, years and years, centuries before Peter wrote his letter, David is, is describing how he was facing terror, he was facing destruction, he was facing great difficulty, and he fled to the Lord. He turned to the Lord. He sought the Lord. He waited patiently for the Lord. And the Lord came to him. The Lord blessed him and gave him a new song. I think that was a new hymn for us today. I don't know if we've ever, have we sung that one before? I don't think so. I mean, I, it took me a minute to remember it from, my, from my, my past years. I hope most of you caught on as we came along. But the psalm says, when God touched David's life, it gave him a new song, a change in his heart, a change in his attitude. And that's exactly what Peter says is, is true for a Christian. A, a true Christian has a different attitude than a non-Christian, has a different perspective than a non-Christian, has a different way of seeing things, a different way of listening to the news, a different way of treating strangers in the grocery store, a different way of living, a new attitude and a new song. And then Jesus talks about new wine and new wineskins. Now, his, his teaching about new wine and new wineskins comes in the midst of the, re, the recording that, Peter, or that Matthew has given us of, of a number of miracles that Jesus performed. And, and if you are following along in the daily devotions with our going through Matthew very, very um, carefully and slowly, almost one verse at a time, uh, you know that in, 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 a, in a way that's puzzling for many of us who have grown up around Christian people and grown up in a Christian environment, that these good things are happening and others are getting upset. That good things are happening and people are getting upset. Um, and, and there's a division that is happening and Jesus describes it as what happens when new wine is poured in an old wineskin. Um, so new songs, new attitudes, new wine. 
I want you to think about new wine and new songs and new attitudes with me just for a minute. This is hard to face. But when the truth of God's will comes among people, men and women divide. Husbands and wives divide. Brothers and sisters divide. It's not fun to face. It's not easy to face. But it's very clear. When the good news of God comes, it challenges everything. It challenges the way we think. It challenges the way we act. It challenges the way we speak. And we see it in the life of Jesus. Can you imagine, isn't it, isn't it difficult, at one, at, from one perspective, isn't it difficult to imagine how could anybody be upset that this, yet, this man's daughter was not dead? That though everybody that was there knew she was dead, that's why they laughed. They knew what it was like to be in the presence of a dead child. The child was dead. And so when Jesus said, she's not dead, they laughed at him. They didn't think, oh, this is wonderful. Maybe we were mistaken. They don't think they're mistaken at all. They think there's something wrong with this crazy rabbi. Earlier in the, in the, in the chapter, and a little bit of, of the chapter right before this one, over and over, the things that Jesus is doing are causing the leaders, the leaders in that town, in that nation, in that among those people, the leaders in Israel were becoming more and more upset at Jesus. And, and yet all he was doing was good. He was not doing evil. He was not speaking evil. He was not doing evil. And yet... People were turning on him, especially people who had a place of power or authority in the life of Israel. Ordinary people, crowds of ordinary people, were hearing what was going on and wanted to find out, wanted to be near it. You know, and I know, if you knew, if you were, if you were there, and you had any issue in your life, anything you were suffering with, and you started hearing stories of this thing and that thing, and Jesus did this and this, you'd want to get there praying and hoping uh, against all hope that, that he might touch you, that he might, that he might heal you. And, and we see that today. We see that in this ruler. That means a high-level man in the culture of Israel and its faith. And, and he comes to Jesus, and what does he do? He kneels down. He humbles himself physically in the presence of Jesus and, and says, please, would you come? My daughter, my daughter has died. I have heard, this is what we can assume, I have heard of your miracles. I have heard that you have come from God. Please come. And people laugh at Jesus. Then this wonderful vignette 
of even as he's going, and believe me, crowds are going with him. There are people that are going that want to see if a miracle is going to happen because they're excited that God is breaking in, and there are people that are coming because if he does something that's contrary to the law, they want to run to the authorities and, and blab. And as that's happening, a woman who has suffered for 12 years, the scripture says, a woman who has suffered for 12 years pushes her way through the crowd, desiring to just grab hold, if she can, of the tassel of Jesus' garment with the faith that if she can even catch hold of his garment, he might heal her. And she is healed. I don't think anyone in this room can imagine that we wouldn't be excited if that happened. If we had seen this daughter raised, if we had seen this woman healed. And yet the scripture makes it very clear that many, especially those who were in authority, those who had a position of control, those who taught, those who led, those who allocated resources, the elites, they didn't like what Jesus was doing. The truth of the gospel, as we've seen week by week, hopefully many of you day by day, if you read the scriptures, if you try to understand what Jesus said, if you want to bring your life into alignment with what Jesus has to say and what he taught and what he still teaches and speaks to those who come to him in faith, if you have spent any time with the word of God, you know that when the light of the gospel comes, it divides. And the shock is that it divides people who have prior to that moment seemed to be part of God's people. Leaders in God's church, synagogue rulers, the light of the gospel divides. Why does it divide? It divides because the heart of every human being apart from God wants their way, not God's way. The vast majority of us, until God touches our lives, associate ourselves with the life of faith in order to reinforce what we believe separate from faith. And when the gospel comes, it starts to point that out. Your attitude is wrong. You've heard these things for your whole life, but your understanding is, is, is minimal. You have, you have said this is really important to you, but I see you in the light of the gospel showing me that you're really more committed to this. We all experience that. And when that happens, it is because new wine, the new wine of the gospel is beginning to touch us. When Jesus begins to speak in a way that a woman or a man actually begins to hear, not with these ears, but with the inner ear, when that begins to happen, the gospel begins to show us things that need to change. As long as religious practice for us is our sense of our own righteousness and our observation of what's wrong with everyone else, the new wine has not come to our heart. 
Because when the new wine is poured into our heart, guess what it does? It breaks our heart open. The old heart has to break. A new wineskin, if I could put it that way, a new heart wineskin has to come. The scripture says a heart of stone is removed from us and and a true heart, a heart after God is placed in us. It doesn't mean that we are immediately righteous or immediately good or immediately find all these things easy. It doesn't mean that at all. But it does begin a journey of change. New wine requires a new wineskin. And we're in such a time. Because when, when new wine is being poured out, old wineskins bust. They bust. Three, three examples, cultural wineskins, religious wineskins, personal wineskins. You and I are alive in a time, I believe this with all my heart, we are alive in a time of reformation. Many of us are very aware of everything that's going wrong. But God is at work in the world, putting things right. Putting things right. Our nation was founded by men and women who believed the gospel was true. The structures of our society and our culture are based upon the truth of the gospel. The unexamined presuppositions of the men and women who founded our nation was that the gospel was true. There was over a thousand years of the Christian faith changing the way people lived, the way people thought, the way people acted, the way people sought to govern. And most of those things were not thought about or talked about when our country was founded, but they were there. But also there was a a whole new philosophy of life that had largely emerged in Europe in the 16th and the 17th century, and that it comes to be called the Enlightenment, the age of reason, that man is the supreme authority over all things, that over against God and his will is man and his reason. And that enlightenment poison was in the founding of our nation. It was not seen clearly, it was not discussed, but it was there. And now, beloved, 250 years later, it rules. When the gospel comes, that rule is challenged. And the authorities and those in power and those in control turn on the gospel and the people who believe it. Because the coming of the truth of the gospel is going to burst those wineskins. Religious wineskins are bursting. COVID showed those of us with eyes to see how weak 
the church in our day really is. You are among those, every one of you in this room, you are among those who kept right on during COVID. By and large, you kept right on. You did not change your life because of COVID. You did not change what you believed because of COVID. You did not live in fear because of COVID. Because new wine had been poured into your heart. And you knew that whatever might come to pass, you were the Lord's. And in the Lord's hands, you had nothing to fear. In the Lord's care, you had nothing to be afraid of. In the, Lord's, in the Lord's life, you didn't cease to be a Christian or cease to care about your neighbors or cease to care about your, your family or cease to do what was right. But overwhelmingly, the institutional church collapsed. I don't think it's going to put itself back together. I think the old wineskin of the religious church that you and I have known has broken. It's burst. But new wine is being poured out. God is not dead. The Spirit of God is, it move, is, is moving on the face of the earth. And wherever a person is open to what God has to say and what God has to teach and what God wants done and where we need to change and where we need to repent and where we need to turn, wherever that's happening, new life is being given. New wine is being poured into new wineskins. And that's where it touches us personally. It's not just the cultural wineskins that are bursting. It's not just institutional religious wineskins that are bursting. Personal wineskins are bursting right now. Because especially for those of us that have lived a full life, as many of us in this room have, the way we were raised is not how people are being raised. The way our parents taught us are not how parents are teaching. The way our teachers taught us is not how teachers are teaching. The way people lived and governed is different, and we're struggling. But if we know the living God, we need to recognize that all that is happening in our lifetime is what has happened in times of great revival and great pouring out of the work of God, and that is the world is dividing between those who love the Lord and love his word and want to pursue righteousness and have a new song in their heart and are learning to live with a different attitude than those who do not love the Lord. We may not, in our lifetime, see the full outcome of what is happening right now, but I say to you again, God is pouring out new wine. And the new wine is the truth of the gospel, the gospel that can change you, that can heal you, that can reorient your life, can change everything from the inside out. A new attitude, a new song, because your heart has been made new, and the new wine is welcome in that new wineskin.
The ruler came and knelt before Jesus. The dear old woman, uh, she may not have been that old, the dear woman pushed her way through the crowd to grab hold of Jesus' tassel. David waited patiently and cried out for the Lord in a time of distress. Do we want new wine, beloved? I do. I want new wine for my life. I want new wine for your lives. But I know that it will burst things that are contrary to God's will. And when the Spirit of the Lord comes, we welcome it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.